0: Yes, and some of you are already nervous about the fact that I brought a chainsaw up. <clears throat> I told him that I was going to get rid of these pews one way or the other. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a little bit. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This is our third week of our Wind and Fire series where we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And today we want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that challenge that we have of living out what God has intended for us. And I grew up on a farm, and one of the things that we had to do occasionally was, was clear out fence rows. And my dad had an axe, and we had a little bow saw, and we would work all day for weeks to get, uh, get that, that fence row cleaned out. I was reminded of a story of, a, of an old farmer who was working his fence row, and a logger drove by. He said, hey, old man, I got an idea. I can help you with that. You can get this done way faster, probably in a couple of days, instead of it taking you two weeks to get this thing done. He said, here, you can have my chainsaw. It'll cut right through all that stuff. The old man looked at him kind of skeptically, but said, okay, okay, if you think it works. I mean, that's your job, cutting down trees. And about a week later, the guy drives by, and the row is still there. He <laughs> checks out. He drives up to the farmhouse and the guy comes out, the farmer comes out of his house, he's got the chainsaw, and he throws it in the back of the guy's truck, and he said, this thing won't cut trees down for anything. Logger said, man, I mean, I had it all ready for you, and blade and everything else. So said, let me check it out. He puts it down on the ground, he pulls the handle, Broom, and starts in the farmer, what's that? <laughs> yeah, that's about that bad a joke, I understand that part. that's how we are with the Holy Spirit sometimes. We work our tails off. We work hard to walk along in the way we think God wants us to do. And we totally miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when somebody talks to us about letting the Holy Spirit's power come out in our lives, we go, what's that? What's that? And yet that is one of the major promises that God gives to us in this new day that we have. God's power is available to us, but we simply don't know how to access it. And we work and work harder. We power through things in our lives, and we're thoroughly exhausted. We come to the death of a loved one. We have uh, cancer or something else come into our lives, and people ask, well, how are you doing? You go, I'm, ma'am, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. But we're not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Sometimes we see others who seem to be experiencing that power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't go ask them how that's happening in their lives. We just think we just have to work harder in order to do that. Some of us may think that about our cannonball generosity initiatives, where, you know, where we're in this two-year initiative of, of generosity, and people are given like they've never given before. Some of you are already going, Man, if Rick mentions money anymore, I'm just going to get worn out. But the reality is, is the Holy Spirit's at work in your life and his power. Some new things begin to happen in your life. As we started this year, we started with a series called Made for More. And for some of you, because you weren't letting the Holy Spirit activate your life, you're just thinking that Rick and Nathan and Kevin are standing up in front of you saying, if you just get busy, if you just do a few more things, if you just go out in the community, you know, God would be praised. And you're going, man, I can hardly put one foot in in front of the other. The reality is our life is all about Jesus and his power in us so that we can jump in and make waves. So what about you? Do you know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or do you just put on a show instead of showing the power of Jesus? This series, Wind and Fire, has been focused on the third person The Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And here's our big idea today, and it's this unleash the power of the Holy Spirit. Unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You see, I want us to be different. I love what John Piper wrote many years ago when he's talking about his own spiritual life, and he said this I don't want to be a comfort seeking, entertainment addicted, security craving, approval desiring Christian. I want to be different. I want to, I want the Holy Spirit's power to live in and through me. A non-Christian, you you want to listen well here today, because you may become a Christian, because these things I'm. Describing and about to describe come true for us by faith. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's one of the reasons why, White Oak, every week we stand before you with with the Bible in our hands. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to speak the words of the Bible. Our classes, our groups, our small groups are all about how do we understand the Word of God? Because faith comes from hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I pray that God may bring you gently and reasonably. and and freely to see and welcome and to embrace Jesus through his word. So I want to point out three things about the power of the Holy Spirit today, ways in which we unleash that power and truths about the power. Because you see what happens after Jesus' ascension, after he raises from the dead, and then there's a few days, and he's talking to his disciples, and he goes on up into heaven, and, and there are two angels who speak to the disciples and say, you know, as he went in, he's going to come back. A few days later in the second chapter of Acts, something brand new begins to happen. And so that's one of the things. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is new. Second is the Spirit's power in our lives is necessary. And the third thing is the Spirit's power gives us the nerve to follow. You see, some of us are a little cautious. We're a little nervous. We're a little afraid to really follow God into those difficult places that he might lead us to be obedient to his will in our lives. So I want to start here with this idea of the new. In the second chapter of Acts, we're going to look at the book of Acts. It's the fifth book in the New Testament, written by a fellow by the name of Luke, who is a physician, pays close attention to details all the way through the book of Acts. And in the second chapter, he's describing what's happened here as these people, something brand new is going on. Something brand new is going on. He said they were together in an upper room, and while they were there, there was this sound of a windstorm. It's part of the reason why we talked about a hurricane, and and we talked about the tidal wave today. There's this sound, and there's these these tongues of fire coming to announce something brand new. And and this is what God is going to be up to in their lives, something brand new. He gets their attention. (laughs) That'll wake you up. Yeah, I knew a couple of you had already fallen asleep in the middle of this. Thank you, our new percussionist in the uh, band. Thank you very much for that. But that's what was going on. People are going, you know, they're just kind of living their lives as as Jews in those days. And all of a sudden, there's this rushing wind. There's this sound that takes place to announce something brand new. And here's what Peter says about that brand new. He says in verse 17 of Acts chapter 2, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Wow, he's going to pour out his spirit. You see, through the Old Testament, we had seen God give his Holy Spirit in places. But the reality is, up until Jesus came, what the Holy Spirit was up to was to make sure that he was preserving physically the people that would give birth to Jesus. God was always about the physical salvation, and that's why in our own lives he's going to save our bodies. He doesn't just save our spirit. But when Jesus came, Jesus came to unite our spirits with God, to reconcile us. This is not what God had done in the Old Testament. God was preparing a people that would bring forth the Messiah. The Messiah then would be the bridge, would be the connector who would save us from our sins and make us right with God spiritually. So now God has something brand new. That's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And and Peter closes that loop in the 38th and 39th chapter of chapter 2. Excuse me, 38th and 39th verse of chapter 2. And actually says this, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children, and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. You see, what's happening at this point in time is that... He's reminding them that God's at work in their lives, not just physically, but spiritually. And then he says something that nobody pays attention to for several chapters in the book of Acts. He says, this promise is even for the Gentiles. You see, one of the things I learned early on in in Acts is that God's people don't always listen to what God says. You don't always listen to everything that I say. You don't always get everything that I say. And this is one of those places where the first century believers did not get it. Because they were always nervous about the Gentiles coming in. They were always nervous about those pagans who were far from God, who weren't Jewish. If they didn't become Jewish, man, they could not become followers of Jesus. And here Peter stands up the very first time. In fact, Peter had trouble with this. We read about that in Galatians. But Peter stands up and says, this promise is for you, for your children, for all or far off, even the Gentiles. And, and they just kind of skipped over it. God's up to something brand new. Now, we've been pondering the person, the presence, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And today we want to take a look at the power. The truth of his indwelling in us is new to bring power into our lives. You, Christian, are different because the Spirit of God dwells in you. In the middle of Romans chapter 8, verse 9 particularly, it says, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. This is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. It is not that anybody thinks they're better than anybody else. It is that they are different. They are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of different ideas. It's the very presence of the Spirit of God in your life that makes you different. This word dwell that's used here in this passage is important. It means more than just be there. I mean, like you might be at the bus station, or you might be at a, in the a train station, or you might be in a car, or you might get in an airplane or at a store. Dwell, this word oike, is also a word that's used, oikos, which means house. And so the implication is the Spirit of God is not present to you as if it's just kind of a stopover, kind of a skip, just to be here for a little while. No, no, he's going to take up residence in you. It's where he lives. This is his home. And the implication is this nearness, this familiarity, this influence. Because, you know, if someone makes their home your house, they'll be near you a lot. They'll be familiar with you and you'll become familiar with them and they'll have a lot of influence over you and the way that you live. So know this about yourselves, Christian. The Spirit of God dwells. He makes his home in you. And if you're not becoming more familiar with him and communing with him and being influenced by him, something is profoundly wrong. Wrong. Don't ignore him or grieve him or resist him. You see, as a Christian, I don't get to say to people, oh, that's just the way I am. Because God's trying to remake me into his image, not to leave me the way that I am. And so if I keep saying, hey, it's just the way I am, it's just the way I am, I'm playing with the game. I am not trying to live out the life that God wants me to live. Paul distinguishes this he describes this first distinguishing thing about Christians in two other ways he says you have the spirit of Christ and then he says Christ is in you so this distinguishing thing about Christians different is that they are than those who are in the flesh is the fact that we are inhabited people we are inhabited by God himself And he says we're inhabited three different ways. He says the spirit of God dwells in you. You have the spirit of Christ in you, and Christ himself is in you. The change in name is is full of treasures. It's the sense that God really does take up residence in your life, God himself. That the spirit of Christ is there in Christ himself, and all of them refer essentially to that same presence, which is the Holy Spirit, He's equally God. He's equally the the Son. He's equally the Spirit. And the Spirit communicates so much with Christ, with Jesus, that it's fitting to say that Jesus himself is present in you. Listen to the way Jesus said it while he was still on earth. We read this passage several times in this series. John chapter 14 is on the screen. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, who will never leave you, Uh, He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it doesn't recognize him. It's not looking for him, so it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans, Jesus says. I will come to you." you. Do you see what he says? There in verse 16 he says... I'm going to send an advocate, the spirit of truth. And then he suggests that the spirit is one with himself when he says he lives with you now and later will be in you. In other words, he's saying, I am with you now, but I will be with you again after I return to my father and I send my spirit of truth to you. And then he speaks explicitly about himself when he says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So for Jesus and Paul, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is one with the Spirit of Christ and communicates so much with Jesus that Paul and Jesus both say, where he's present in you, Christ is present in you. And this is brand new. You know, we've been used to hearing this as Christians for nearly 2,000 years and we don't realize how new this is and how amazing this is that the God of the universe would take up residence in us, that he would give us power. Because you look at all the other world religions, and they are all about how you try to find God. How you try to get to him. As opposed to Jesus and God saying, I'm coming to you. And not only that, I'm going to live in you. Wow, folks, that's huge. The second thing that I realize about the Holy Spirit is that he's necessary. I mean, the excitement of the Holy Spirit might be enough for some, but we quickly realize that his living in us is for more than just His presence we realize that we need him in the midst of that time. After all, the expectation is that we will become more and more like Jesus. We will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control into our lives. But how do I see this come about in my life? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the question that we have for ourselves is, do I see more of the characteristic of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness? Do I see those things happening in my life? Because equipping the Christian with this inward spiritual power to resist temptation to sin is part of the very purpose of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit given in baptism. This is the heart and soul of God's sanctifying work during the Christian's lifetime of making us more and more like Jesus. And I need his power to do that. I cannot do that on my own empowering our spirits to overcome sin and to live in obedience to the will of God is the Spirit's work. He works directly on our heart, forming us, and he sets in motion this process of spiritual healing and restoration. I mean, what's going on in your life? Are there places where you need God to be at work? He says, I'm already there. Unleash me. Let me do my work Quit trying to do this on your own. I am necessary for you to be different. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. It's on the screen. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Man, I need that inner strength. Paul challenges us. He encourages us to fight against sin. But we need all the help that God can give us in this battle. Paul writes about that in Romans 8 when he says very simply, but if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. It is this energizing power of the Spirit that makes this possible. And we unleash it by saying go get them. So unleash the power of the Holy Spirit. But this overwhelming responsibility to be holy as God is holy predictably fills us with awe and with trepidation and with fear. Man, I just can't measure up. What a daunting task that is for us. Well, that leads me to the third thing about the Spirit's power being unleashed in my life, and that's this. It gives me the nerve. It gives me the nerve to follow Jesus. I'm afraid and unable to do it, and that's why the Holy Spirit's in your life, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, I don't know if you're fans of J.R.R. Tolkien and the the uh, Lord of the Rings, but this is pictured so well in the Lord of the Rings, the, this need for nerve, and you have the fellowship come together. And you know, if you have ten or twelve hours on, you know, just want to waste some time, you know, you can get all the way through the trilogy pretty quick, right? Just takes twelve hours. Great afternoon. But I, I'm, I'm reminded of the scene when the fellowship comes together, and they're all diverse; they're all different. They all have different ideas, but, but then they say, okay, we're all going to do this. We're all going to do it together. And, and as soon as they walk out, they're attacked. As soon as they walk out, it's difficult. It's hard. And you see, I think sometimes we miss that part in our Christian life. Somewhere along the line, we did not hear the words that it would be hard to live out this life according to Jesus' will. We heard that he's going to step in and take care of everything and we'll never have another problem. And so the minute we get hit with something that's difficult, we are wondering, is this truth, is this message even true? That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because he reminds us that we have power over the sinful things that want to come towards us. Scripture is very straightforward. Greater is he is in you than he is in the world. And and we need to live that out. And, of course, who are the heroes of the, of the trilogy? They're the hobbits. The hobbits are the most fearful individuals in the whole deal, right? They're afraid of everything. They're not sure they can do the next thing. They're the weakest ones in the, in the fellowship. And yet, who is it that... And Tolkien is, is doing this. He's doing it as the Christian walk. Who is it that gets the power to keep walking forward? It's the hobbits, because they need it. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Man, how I need that help. I stumble, I fear, I I tremble, I fall, but God supplies. So do you need that today? I mean, what do you need today? That's one of the things to write on the front of your program. What is it that I need the Holy Spirit's power in my life to do? It's probably going to be everything, but pick something. Paul goes on to say this in Romans chapter 8. He says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Have you ever found that kind of moment? You're not sure exactly how you ought to pray. You're not sure exactly what's going on in your life. God says, I put the Holy Spirit in your life so that I can communicate, so that he intercedes on your behalf. Man, I need help praying. I and mean, one of the places I know that many of you are praying for is your family. And here's what happens sometimes. The family gets in the way of our following Jesus and releasing the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I know the challenges are real, the dangers are fierce, but here's what I want you to know about the family. The temptation that we face in the American family is this, that when we marry and have children, it's, we become so inwardly focused that our families become like idols to us. The mentality usually goes, focus on our children when they're young. And then maybe when they're old enough, we can get into ministry and we can do the difficult things that we did before, the exciting stuff that challenged us to be trusting in the Holy Spirit and God in our lives. But the reality is the examples that parents give when they do that, that idea of let's protect our family now, Let's keep ourselves safe. Let's find some gated community and keep them all in our house, away from all the bad people. I mean, that's just in contrast with what the Scripture says that we are supposed to be about as Christians. And I need power to overcome that. Because the Bible says very straightforwardly, go out into the world and make disciples. That's what we do. And we often don't challenge and encourage our kids to be a part of that. And this non-scriptural mindset that we adopt is why a lot of kids ditch God when they're adults. Because they've never really seen anything real in the life of the faith of their parents. They haven't seen that risk. They haven't seen the adventure. I like what... Francis Chan says about that, he says this, not only are you missing out on life, but we're turning away our children by the droves because our lives are not the adventure they see in Scripture, and they are not experiencing the Holy Spirit. You see, if we keep them safe, if we keep hovering over them, they're they're experiencing a Christian version of the American dream of safety, not the exciting adventure that Jesus has us on. So when Karen stands up here and says, we want to partner with you as parents in raising your kids, when Kyle is up here saying, we want to partner with you in raising your kids, we want to encourage you to be on that track that is an adventure and it's risky and it's challenging and it just doesn't look safe. Because in the midst of that is where God begins to work in our lives. And he shows up. So how do we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? How do we do these things so that our lives are attractive and adventuresome for Jesus? Well, I want to challenge you to take some steps. And maybe, maybe you've taken some of these steps... Uh, Maybe there's a couple of them you want to pick up. There's eight of them, so hang on. Here we go, quick. First one's this, information. For some of us, we just need the information about the Holy Spirit. We need to understand who he is, whether that's reading in the Scripture, listening to these talks, maybe taking a class that Dr. Cottrell has here. He'll be here on March the 10th, where we dig a little deeper into that. And You can get the talks that we've made, and you can get what Dr. Cottrell's teaching online, T-H-E-W-O-C-C.com. But maybe we need information. Maybe you've already got the information, so your second step is this, awareness. Be aware that the Holy Spirit's in you and empowering you. Do not hinder him. For some of us, we don't realize the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. We really didn't hear that whenever we were baptized, that we received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's much like the person who walks into a dark room and can't see anything, and somebody walks over and flips on the switch. They go, Where did that come from? I don't understand electricity. The truth is, you have the Holy Spirit in you if you are a believer in Jesus. So be aware of that. Third is desire. You see, we miss out on this one sometimes. You know, we got the information, and we're aware that he's there. But I really don't have the desire to be like Jesus. I don't want to be different than the people around me. I don't really want to experience his power. I like blending in, because nobody's really going to bother me. That is not the life that God has in store for you. I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. And that means sometimes I look different than the people around me. But he gives me the power to do that. Fourth is this prayer. We're going to be praying in just a few minutes today. But this step, I pray specifically for his power to aid me in overcoming specific sins. And for growing in specific ways. You see, too often I I say, well, man, if I just jump into a 12-step group. Or if I just start doing things differently or whatever else it might be. No, no, no. You need to start with prayer. Because you need to be asking God to be at work in your life. I have a friend who sends me his devotional thoughts and his prayer each day as he seeks to be sober. So that his, his addiction does not control his life. And that's how he starts every day in the Word with a prayer, and then he goes. Can I challenge you to think about that? That for some of us, our feet hit the ground, and the only thing that empowers us is coffee. And by the way, we got some new coffee cups for those of you who are guests. And we have our own White Oak blend coffee. This is pretty cool. And, and, and it's a local roaster that did it for us and so on and so forth. If you're already a partner, a member of White Oak Christian Church, these are available to you for 50 bucks. <clears throat> I mean, i, mean, I got to do this cannonball thing some way. Uh, and, and <laughs> But if you're a guest with us today, man, head back there and pick one of these up. I like the other one. I didn't pick this one up. It was, how's it go, Jesus? Somebody remembers what's on the other cup. Hello, I just know bacon is on the other cup. You know, and as long as you got bacon, you got the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay. So number, let's go. On. Step number five. How did he do that? Off he went. Surrender. See, whenever I'm praying to God, whenever I'm asking Him to be a power in my life, I'm going to surrender my own willpower, because it is not enough to overcome sin and achieve holiness. You see, whenever I surrender, here's what I realize. It's not just that God wants to empower me, but he has empowered the church. And this this power that he's given to me is not just for my benefit, but it is for all the church. I need to surrender to realize I'm a part of this team and that we work better together than we do separately. And am I going to surrender my life? Am I going to surrender and let his power be in me so that the church moves forward? And some of you are already sitting there thinking, he sounds like he's talking about athletic teams. Yeah, I think they're a great picture of that. Individual players have power and strength and so forth to do, but until they bring it together in the team, they're not going to be any good. It's not going to work. And that's true for us too. Are you going to surrender? I mean, I I confess my weakness, my helplessness, my dependence on the Holy Spirit. And I also surrender the fact that I need to be number one in my life. Number six is trust. I mean, the the, the question is this. Do you really believe everything we've been learning and affirming about the Holy Spirit and his indwelling presence and power in our lives? Do, Do you believe that he will answer your prayers for victory and strength? Are you patient with his timing? Do you trust his promises? Step number seven is action. Notice it's not till the seventh thing that I say really dive in because there's this sense of needing that power, that strength, in order for me to be active because we do act. We work. We strive. We fight. Each of us here has free will, and we have to make the decision to resist temptation and to do what is right. We do what the Bible says. We live out that life. I mean, one of the reasons that we do Weekend to Remember and Challenges our families, and thank you, Karen, for your testimony, is simply this. I don't know if you noticed in, the, in that picture, but we had people that were married 50-some years. We had people who have been married less than five years in that picture because you, you, you want to do what the Bible says, and you have to be reminded of that into action. Eighth one is thanksgiving because, you see, when God shows up, when he does something in your life, when you have seen his power at work, do you thank him? Or do you just simply say, well, that was pretty cool, but uh, it's probably because I'm really strong. Or do you say, no, God, thank you. Thank you. Because you give us the power to conquer the works of flesh and to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And we give praise and honor to you in all things because this is what God says, make Jesus famous. So unleash the power of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't started your walk with God, I would love to talk to you about how to follow Jesus. But right now, I want to pray with you. Take a look at these steps. Put those back up, Amy. You can take a picture of them with your camera. Maybe one of those steps in there, you're going, man, I'm really struggling with that. I'm struggling with the surrender. I'm struggling with prayer. Whatever it might be, that's the place I want to be praying for you. And, and this week, I just want to pray over you the prayer that my friend sent me from his sobriety walk. Would you bow with me, please? And then we'll, then we'll worship some more. Father, just protect each person here with your armor as we devote ourselves to remain in your presence, praying alert for the dark snares of the enemy and thankful for the blessing of each moment today. Lord, it's in this moment that we, that we say we want to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We may not know what that always looks like, Lord, but we want to surrender. We want to release. We want you to be made famous in our lives. We live differently, not for our benefit, but so that we could lift up Jesus so that all people are drawn to him. And I thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer. And I thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.